All right. Hey, guys. Welcome to Grace Bible Church. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, if you don't have your own Bible, there should be Bibles in the pew back in front of you. And uh, if you grab one of those, we will be on page 931, 931. Uh, if you don't have, have access to either, uh, the text should be uh, up on the, on the screen. And so as you're turning to 1 Corinthians 12, I want to just remind us where we've been and where we're going. Uh, we are in the middle uh, of a three-part series. It's just a very short three-part series called Serve Like Jesus. And so we've been talking about serving like Jesus and using our spiritual gifts in in the church. Uh, Last week, uh, in part one, we saw uh, that Jesus was a servant, and we saw him bow down and wash the feet of his disciples, and he told us that that was an example for us to follow. And so uh, we talked a little bit about how we should and can uh, follow Jesus' example and, and serve like him. In, in part two, uh, which I've called Identify Your Gifts, uh, what we're going to take a look at is simply identifying our spiritual gifts. That is, how can we serve like Jesus? Well, we can identify the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us, and we can then best serve the church in that way. And then in the final week, in part three, we're going to take a look at then how everybody is, is needed out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and how we all uh, need to use all of our gifts uh, so that the church can flourish. And so that's where we have been, and that's where we're going, and I trust that you're uh, now in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and uh, let's, uh, let's pray, and then we'll dive uh, right into this uh, wonderful section of Scripture. And so if you would pray with me this morning. Father, thank you for the time that we have together. Thank you that we can uh, sing with joy uh, to you. Thank you that we can, la- we can raise our voices uh, to you, that we can uh, sing to you with joy and with uh, passion and with uh, loud voices unto you. Uh, you indeed are worthy of our worship. You're worthy of everything that we have, of our uh, entire being, of our joy, of our passion, and uh, of our very lives. And uh, we pray that what we have done this morning in, in our giving and in our singing, and even now in our listening, would just be a portion of the, uh, the sacrifice that we give to you, which would be the sacrifice of our very lives, uh, a living sacrifice that would be uh, honoring and well-pleasing to you. And so we pray now specifically as we um, look into your word that you would uh, calm our hearts and our minds and that you would help us to be attentive for these next few minutes as we hear from your word. Father, we thank you that we have your word before us. Uh, This indeed is what you have to say to the church. And specifically as we look at spiritual gifts and how you've gifted each and every one of us who have come to faith in Jesus Christ with a a multitude and a variety of gifts to build the body up and to reach the lost, uh, we thank you that you've given us these grace gifts and that you've given us jobs to do, that you've equipped us to do them, and you've called us to do them. And so I pray now for, uh, for all of us as we think a bit about what those gifts are and how, how they function, and, and specifically as we think later about how you've gifted us uniquely as an individual Christian for, for your service. Uh, I pray that you would help us to discover our gifts, to identify our gifts, so that we can then be equipped to serve you and ultimately to serve like Jesus. And so help us now, we pray. Holy Spirit, be among us. Speak through your word into our hearts and into our lives. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ and God's people said, amen. Amen. I want to begin with a story. Uh, A few months ago, we were kind of in home improvement mode. I don't know if you have ever been in home improvement mode, or maybe you feel like you're always in home improvement mode, which kind of seems to be the case if you own a house. But we were especially in home improvement mode. We had several different jobs to do, uh, and normally that's because we had several different things that were broken, uh, things that weren't working in in our house. Has that ever happened in your house? Things just quit on you? Um, It it does in our house on occasion, and there were several 
little things that we needed to fix. And, and I was reminded a few months ago about the importance, you know, of having the right tools for home improvement projects, the, the significance of having the right tool for the right job. Uh, one of the things that was particularly broken was the fan uh, in our bedroom. Uh, for whatever reason, I, I don't know exactly uh, what we didn't know at the time, uh, it just wasn't working. The fan just, uh, just went out. And so we, as one of the tasks was we were going to go out and do it. Uh, Shelly's uh, family was in. Her mom and dad were in for a, a week or so, and uh, her father is, is very handy. So we thought this would be a, a wonderful opportunity to put them to work, right? And so we had a, a laundry list of things to do, and, and her father-in-law was handy. And so um, one night, uh, it, it was pretty late. I don't know what time it was, 8.30, maybe 9 o'clock. And uh, my wife thought, hey, you know, the kids are in bed. Maybe now it would be a good time to work on the fan. And so we kind of went about the project of trying to fix our fan and why the fan part was not working. And so uh, to make a long story short, we, uh, we uh, you know, unscrewed it and we kind of took the, the face, so to speak, off of it. And there were a bunch of wires hanging down. And so we figured, well, uh, I think what we saw was there was a loose wire or, or something, something had to be fixed and we fixed it. You can tell I'm into my fix-it stories because I don't even know what was broken. But we fixed it. But along the lines, we had to do some rewiring. Now, I don't work for Boyce Electric, and so I don't know much about how electricity works, um, but I know enough that you should turn off the electricity, you know, before you work on it. So uh, we did that, and uh, we had to uh, reconnect two wires, essentially. And so I, I knew that I needed a little bit more length in the, at the end of the wire, and so I needed some wire cutters. Is that what they're called, guys? Okay, let's just say, that's, that's what I needed. And I thought that I had some, right? And so here we are, the, 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 the main bulk of the fan is kind of down, and, and one of us is just kind of holding it above our, our, our heads, because we thought this will take five minutes, right? And so one of us is holding it, and I go out, and I, I rummage, and I rummage, and, and I can't find my tool. I can't find the right tool. I knew I had one at some point, um, but my tools tend to get lost or disappear or, or walk away. You know, they kind of create legs and, and go away. And so I could not find this particular tool. And, and at this point, it's probably 9.15 or so. It's getting close to 9.30, and I'm thinking, who can I call that has wire cutters at 9.30? Well, of course, I, I called Stan. And so I call him up, and he's, I don't know, at work or maybe at at home, I'm not sure. So I went to his house, and we chit-chatted a little bit, and all along the while, my mother-in-law is standing there on a, on a small stool, right, holding this fan up above her, right? She's just holding it, and I'm like, I can't find it. We have to call Stan. I'll be right back, okay? And so I go, and here's my mother-in-law standing, you know, the whole time holding this fan, and so I go to Stan's, and we chit-chat a little bit, and we talk, and you know, I'm like, I, I gotta go stand. I don't wanna be rude, but I gotta go. You know, and so I finally get the tool from him and run back home. And it, it had probably been about five to ten minutes, and uh, five to ten minutes more than what my mother-in-law wanted. And so I, I get in, into the room, and there she is, <laughs> you know, just holding this thing. I said, I've got it. I finally got the tool. Um, and long story short, we got it fixed, kind of. Um, you know how fans typically have three speeds, right? Well, somehow we maneuvered it to where our fan has two speeds now. <laughs> it has high and low, and somehow we mismatched the medium, but it kind of works, and that's how we do home improvement in the Sheffer household, right? Uh, but I, I was just reminded of the significance that when you set out to do a job, there's a need, something's broken, something needs to be tended to, the significance of having the right tools. And I think that what is true in, in home improvement is true in church improvement as well. What's true in the home life is true in the, in the church life. You know, there are several jobs, so to speak, in the life of a church that need maintenance, jobs that need attending to, things that need to be done for a, a church to function in a healthy way. But in, in the same way, just like we need the right 
physical tools to do home improvement. We need the right spiritual tools to do spiritual improvement. We need to know what kind of tools we have in our spiritual belt, so to speak, in our spiritual tool belt to then know what kind of jobs we can get engaged in. Uh, You know, Something else that I realized about that scenario, when you're going about a particular job, not only do you need the right tools, but you need particular tools. I mean, if my wife would have handed me a hammer to fix the fan, it wouldn't have worked very well. I needed a particular tool for a particular job. And that's the way spiritual gifts work. There are particular jobs, particular roles uh, inside the church, and some of us are gifted for some, and some of us are gifted for others. And if you've ever been involved in a ministry that you feel like was outside of your gifting, it can be like fixing a fan with a hammer. It just doesn't exactly work. But if you've been engaged in a ministry that's using your spiritual gift, I mean, you pull out the right tool out of your tool belt, and you engage the right kind of job, and it's a match, and it's satisfying, and you're serving the church, and you're serving the Lord because you're using your spiritual gifts. And so what I want us to do this morning is, is simply this. I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and help us begin to identify the spiritual gifts that we've been given as believers in Christ. What, what are the, the tools that are in our tool belt? And also, I want us to see four, four truths, four things about spiritual gifts. And so turn with me now to 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 11, and we're going to see four things about spiritual gifts, and then I'm going to give you some homework It's not going to be hard. It'll be fun and enjoyable, but some homework that will help you apply what we've talked about this morning to help you discover your spiritual gift or most likely your spiritual gifts. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and let's read verses 1 through 3. And we'll see the first truth in verses 1 through 3 and that's this, content over conduct. What Paul says in verses 1 through 3 is that the content in using our spiritual gifts is just as important as our conduct. So let's read verses 1 through 3 together. He says this. He's transitioning topics here. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So he begins in verse 1, and he says, I'm going to transition. I want to start talking now about spiritual gifts, and I don't want you to be ignorant. That's significant, because when you read the next two or three chapters in the Corinthians, you find out that they were ignorant. You find out that they didn't know uh, as much about spiritual gifts or the exercise of spiritual gifts as they needed to. They were very proud, very self-centered, and Paul goes about correcting that, and he begins by saying, let's not be ignorant about this subject. Let me share with you the first spiritual truth, and that is that content matters. Content matters. Content over conduct. He continues in verse 2. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so simply what he says is that we must not divorce doctrine from the exercise of spiritual gifts. Uh, We have to remember the culture that these people came from. Paul says that they used to worship uh, uh, pagan idols. He calls them mute idols because they were not real. But what we've learned from history and from the scriptures is that there are all sorts of um, supernatural, ecstatic, uh, enthusiastic things that went along with pagan worship. And so 
so Paul wants to clarify, and he says the first thing we know uh, about spiritual gifts is that, especially as it relates to the speaking gifts, there are several gifts, as you'll see in a few minutes, that, that have to do with speaking, and he says it matters tremendously what you say. It's not about what you're doing as much as what you're saying. Uh, one commentator says it this way, and I think he's right on. He says, Paul only reminded his readers that there are, quote, inspired utterances that come from other sources than the Holy Spirit. Enthusiasm, ecstasy, or, quote, inspired utterance does not necessarily indicate spirituality. So he's kind of laying this baseline, and he's saying, as we go about exercising Corinthian spiritual gifts, we need to understand that orthodoxy matters, that doctrine matters, and that when you use your spiritual gifts, especially as you speak, that they need to be in line with the Bible. They need to be in, in line with orthodoxy. And so don't get so wrapped up with everything that may be supernatural that may be going on. If, if they're not speaking rightly about Jesus, well, then that's not correct use of the spiritual gifts. And so the first thing is just kind of foundational, content over conduct. And then in verse 4, he really kind of jumps in to teaching specifically about the spiritual gifts. And in verses 4 through 6, we see the second thing about spiritual gifts. Not only does content matter over conduct, but he says this. He says there are different gifts, but the same source. There are different gifts, a variety of gifts, but they all come from the same source, and that is the triune God, the Father and the Son and the Spirit. So let's read that together in verses 4 through 6 as Paul kind of formally begins his teaching on the spiritual gifts. Verse 4, there are different kind, uh, kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. And so the first principle he kind of wants to, us to lay out is that there are a multitude of gifts. Notice he emphasizes the diversity of gifts at the beginning. In fact, he uses the word different three times, right? There are different gifts, right? There are different kinds of services. There are different kinds of workings. And so there are different kinds of gifts. But then at the same time, he emphasizes the unity the same source, if you will, the same spirit, he says, the same Lord, the same God. So there's different gifts, but they all come from the same source. Now, I want to flesh out a little bit, help us define sp what a spiritual gift is, because we learn, I think, three things uh, about spiritual gifts from this section. Uh, number one, he says, first of all, there are different gifts. That's kind of what we've been saying. Uh, the idea with spiritual gifts is that there's not a one-size-fits-all. That is, everybody has kind of a different collection of spiritual gifts. I may have the gift of teaching. You may have the gift of teaching. I may have the gift of exhortation. You might have the gifts of interpretation. There are a variety of different gifts. There's not just one spiritual gift. It's not a cookie cutter kind of a thing. It's not a one size fits all. It's not like every Christian is given the moment they become a Christian the same spiritual gift. I mean, think about how boring that would be if we all had the same gift of, let's just say, uh, hospitality, if that was the standard gift that everybody got. Well, we'd all get along and feel very welcome, right? But we wouldn't be taught anything because nobody has the gift of teaching. And so he says there's a variety of gifts. There are different gifts, and it's not one size fits all. Um, 
along those lines, has anyone ever uh, maybe been given a t-shirt, uh, maybe a free t-shirt that's a one-size-fits-all kind of a t-shirt? Or maybe a better example is a hat. They sell hats oftentimes that are one-size-fits-all. Now, I don't know if you've ever bought a hat that's a one-size-fits-all, or maybe been given a t-shirt that is a one-size-fits-all, but most likely you have. And so let me ask you this question. When you get a one-size-fits-all shirt or a one-size-fits-all hat, does it one size, does it fit everyone? And the answer is no, almost inevitably not. And it'll fit some people, right? But usually it's too small or it's too big or it's too this or or too big or or that. Oftentimes I would buy these hats that are one size fits all. And I have a head that's so extremely small that it would just dwarf me. It would be so big. And I said, well, it fits everyone, but it doesn't fit me. And that's kind of the way that spiritual gifts are. It's not one size fits all. Uh, There's a diversity of gifts. But not only is there a diversity of gifts, but notice he says there are different opportunities. He says there are not only the uh, different gifts, but there are different opportunities. He uses the word service. He says there are different kinds of service, which means that we may have the same spiritual gift, but we may use it differently. We may use it in a different context. Uh, You may be given the gift of administration, and you may help uh, around the church in the office, or you may have the gift of administration, and you may help organize a life group. Uh, There are different Gifts, and you may have the same gift, but uh, different opportunities, different kinds of service, different ministries, so to speak. And then he goes on to say, not only are there different gifts, not only are there different uh, ministries or opportunities, but there are different results. And this one should encourage all of us. Notice he says there are different kinds of workings, which is the idea that when we exercise our spiritual gifts, the results are not always going to be the same. And so you may have the gift of evangelism. I may have the gift of evangelism. In a year, you may lead five people to Christ. In a year, I may lead one person to Christ. But that's okay. There are different results. There are different uh, uh, results from, uh, from spiritual gifts. I think one uh, commentator, again, sums this up really well. He says this. He says, It is God who is responsible for our abilities or our gifts, our opportunities for service, and the individual ways in which we minister, including the results. And that should make us very encouraged, because as you exercise your gift, you may not get the same result that this person does, or that person does, but that's okay. You're still using your gifts in the way that God intends, and that is a wonderful thing. And so the second thing we've seen about spiritual gifts is this. There are a variety of gifts. We all have different gifts, but they all come from the same source. They all are given to us by God. And that leads us to verse 7, which is the third thing that we see about spiritual gifts. In verse 7, what we find out is that the, the reason or the purpose of a spiritual gift is not primarily for us. This is something that the Corinthians needed to hear. And it's something that we need to hear because oftentimes we can be so enamored with the use of our spiritual gift, how it makes us feel the results of it all, that we forget the spiritual gifts are not for us, but they are given for others. And let's read that in verse 7 as Paul talks about the purpose of spiritual gifts. Now to each one, notice that he'll repeat it again in verse 11. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. For the common good. And so at the beginning of verse 7, he says, 
Spiritual gifts are given for the common good. That is, they are given for the good of the entire body. They are not given uh, for us primarily, but they are given uh, to everyone else. They're not to be hoarded for our individual use and our individual uh, edification, but they are to be shared amongst the body so that the whole body is built up. We see that in 1 Peter chapter 4, I believe, where Peter says, whatever spiritual gift that you have, this is my paraphrase, use it for the edifying or the building up of the church. And so whatever gift it is that you have, and we'll discover that here in a little bit, hopefully as you do your test, um, whatever gift you have, it's not for you. It's for the common good. It's for the church. Um, It's not to be hoarded. It's to be shared. Uh, A story along those lines. Uh, I think it was last Christmas, or maybe the Christmas before, uh, we were with Shelly's family in Arkansas, and uh, I have a niece and a nephew, Uh, My nephew is, I don't know how old he is, he's maybe in first grade now, and I have a niece who's about three years younger than him, and they got a kind of a a big gift, right? They got several individual uh, Christmas gifts, but they got one big gift that was a shared gift. It was supposed to be for him and for her, but also it was really intended to be for the whole family, and they got a, a Nintendo Wii. And so we were there when they opened the Wii, and they were very excited, and uh, they figured out what games they had, and they, you know, wanted to get it going immediately, and they started playing the games. And and the older one, uh, whose name is Garrett, um, he was a little bit better at the games, and he, just for a a brief moment, I remember he thought that the gift was given to him uh, just so he could use it. And so he didn't want his sister to play. He wanted to use it all for himself. It was just for him to play. And I remember his mom and dad had to correct him and, and teach him that this was a gift that was not given just for him. It was given for everyone. It was given for everyone to play, including his little sister, and including his Uncle Trey, who got beat in whatever game that we were playing. Um, But he had to remind Garrett that the gift was a collective gift, and the purpose of the gift was not just for him. It was for everybody else, and that's what Paul essentially says about spiritual gifts. They are to build up everyone else. They are community gifts, and so if you're a good teacher— Let's say you have the gift of teaching. Um, The gift of teaching is not to gather applause to yourself. It's not to show off the superior knowledge that you have. It's not to build yourself up, but it's to help others grow in the faith. If you're maybe, uh, say, a gifted leader and you have the gift of leadership, the gift of leadership is not to amass followers to make you feel significant. It's not to build your own little kingdom, but it's to build up the kingdom of Christ. And so the third thing that we see simply about spiritual gifts is that it's a community gift. It's supposed to, to, to build up the body of Christ for the good of everyone. And that leads us to verses 8 through 11, which is the final point that I think we see here about spiritual gifts, and that's this. Each believer, each believer has been given a spirit-chosen gift. What we see in verses 7 and, and then again at the tail end of verse 11 is that every Christian has at least one spiritual gift. I think most Christians have multiple spiritual gifts. And what I want us to see in verse 11 is that not only that every Christian has one, but it's spirit chosen. That is, the Holy Spirit himself chooses which gift or which combination of gifts to give you, which is an amazing thing to me. So let's read this together. We'll start in verse 8 and uh, we'll read through verse 11. To one, he he begins to talk about the diversity of gifts here. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of, of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. 
to another distinguishing between spirits, and to another speaking in a different kind of tongue, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. And then he concludes by saying this, all these, all these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he, speaking of the Holy Spirit, and he distributes them to each one, there's that each one again. He distributes them to each one just as he determines. It's a spectacular thing. What, what we see is that when a person is born again, when a person believes by faith in Jesus Christ, that person is, uh, a whole slew happens. They're forgiven. They're reconciled to God. They're given the righteousness of Christ. The Holy Spirit indwells them. And one of the, thing, uh, one of the things that happens that Paul emphasizes here is that they are given these grace gifts. That's what literally uh, the term in verse, verse 4 means. They are a gift of grace by the Holy Spirit to the Christian, these special abilities and talents and powers to use for the good of the church. And the Holy Spirit himself, this is amazing, the Holy Spirit himself determines what gifts you get. And the Holy Spirit determines what gifts you get and what gifts I get. He determines that in his sovereignty as God. It's an amazing thing. Uh, And what we see is that in verse 7 and at the tail end of verse 11, Paul uses this little phrase, to each one to each one. And I think he wants us to know that if you're a Christian today, if you've been born again, if you've uh, placed your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, that you, you are a part of that each one. You have been given a spiritual gift, at least one, if not multiple. And the Holy Spirit himself has chosen that for you. And so I want us to begin, as we wrap up, about application specifically. What what should we do with this? What we're going to talk about next week is that Paul talks about how everybody in the church exercising all of their gifts is how a church flourishes. And everybody is needed. Everybody is needed. But by way of application here, I've, I've, I've titled this sermon, Identify Your Gifts. And that's what I want us to do by way of application. I think the overall thrust here is that we should, I think, identify the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us. So how do we do that? I mean, how do we go about identifying these gifts? Paul has listed several of the gifts uh, here in 1 Corinthians 12. It's not at all exhaustive. In fact, in the, in the, in the papers that I'm going to give you as you leave, uh, what you'll find is an exhaustive, hopefully it's as exhaustive as, as I could get, a list of all of the spiritual gifts. There's about four, uh, four passages that we get that from, and there are several uh, spiritual gifts. Paul just highlights some of them here. And so what we need to do is go about identifying what gifts have I been given. I mean, what are the tools in my spiritual tool belt so I can know what kind of jobs I need to be going about doing in the church and outside the church? Well, there's one way that you can do that, a couple ways actually. Uh, One is your homework. And so as you leave, um, I think back there in the back, there are about 50 packets, and it's essentially a spiritual gifts test. Uh, Just by way of curiosity. How many of you have ever done a spiritual gifts test before? Okay, several of you. Great. Uh, For those of you who have, let me encourage you, do it again. It's still a value. I have done a multitude of them in my lifetime, and I thought, I'm going to just sit back and do it again. And I I, I did the spiritual gifts thing, and and in my arrogance, I thought, I know, I know, I know what I'm gifted. I know, I know, you know. And and I did, I, I tallied it up, and lo and behold, there was something that I, I scored, I think, second highest on that I had never really even been on my radar before. 
And I thought, what in the world is this? You know, maybe there's a new spiritual gift that, that I've discovered. And so if you've done it before, I encourage you, take the time to do it again. For those of you who haven't done it, um, do it. It's, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, it's just a short survey, and then there's some teaching about the spiritual gifts. Uh, as I said, I've, lifted, I've, I've listed exhaustively the spiritual gifts. I've tried to define them for you the best that I can with biblical accuracy and integrity. And so feel free to go ahead and look through all of the gifts uh, that I've listed there. And that will begin to help help you identify those gifts. But I think there's a second way. I think there's a second way, and we'll end on this, to identify your gifts. And that's simply just by being engaged in a ministry in a local church. Just by getting involved. I think oftentimes God reveals to you what your spiritual gifts are. As you get involved in teaching and serving in ministry, someone will say, you do this really well. And you get a sense of satisfaction that this is kind of what the Holy Spirit has made me to do. Uh, And I want to share a quick story on that. Um, I, don't, I don't know how well you know me, but as, as a person, in, in a personality, I, I'm an introvert. I'm not an extrovert. And uh, more than that, growing up, I was very, very shy. Uh, being in front of people terrified me. I remember when I was in, I think it was 10th grade uh, speech class, I remember literally almost refusing to go give my speech in front of my class because I was so terrified and I was going to throw up. Um, I'm not a natural speaker. I don't like being in front of people. Um, It's not something I thought I would ever be doing. But uh, my senior year in high school, I had a youth pastor, and uh, I wasn't very vocal. I didn't teach anything. I I didn't consider myself a leader in the high school youth group, but he asked me to preach a sermon, and he came to me, and he, and he said, we have this youth day. I want you to preach, <laughs> and I was shocked and terrified. I didn't want to disappoint him, so sh- 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 out of sheer duty, I said, sure, I'll do that. You know, I'll preach in front of 500 people at a time, uh, and so, uh, but it was just an amazing thing because as I began to pre- prepare for the sermon and read scripture and think about it, like I enjoyed it. It was, I thought, it's like, where does this come from? You know, I enjoyed preparing for a sermon. And then when I actually stood up there and gave a sermon to quite a few people uh, for my first time when I was 18 years old, I mean, I was nervous, but it, there was a sense of satisfaction and joy. And, uh, and I don't, I'm sure it was a bad sermon, <laughs> but, you know, I, it was okay. And uh, people affirmed that. And so I thought, Maybe God has gifted me for this. Went to college, got involved in a children's ministry, uh, a backyard Bible club, went to these uh, very underdeveloped places and uh, taught Bible stories to kids. And um, we took turns doing the teaching. It was my turn, and the group said, you're really great at this. You should be our teacher. And so I started teaching little kids, you know, every week, and I exercised the gift. And they said, hey, this is good. You should keep doing that. And long story short, I would have never, ever, ever thought that that was one of my spiritual gifts. I would have never volunteered for it, but it just kind of happened. I got engaged in ministry and discovered a spiritual gift. And so I want to encourage you to do that as well. Next week, we're going to have a bit of a ministry fair. We're going to talk about all the ministries that we do at Grace. And you may be thinking, boy, I could never help with the high school youth group. Boy, I'm not ever gifted to do this or that. And my encouragement to you is, well, you may not be, but you might be, and you never know until you take a stab at it. And so that's by way of preview. And so this morning, we've seen uh, uh, four things about spiritual gifts. So we've seen that the content is more important than the conduct. We've seen that there are different gifts, but the same source. We see that they're not for us, they're for other people, and that each believer has a spirit-chosen gift. In short, in this church and in every church, there are several home improvement projects. There are jobs to do. There are things that need, uh, need done. There are things that need fixing. There's a role for everyone to play. 
And along those lines, we are not without the right tools. It's not like we have to go about going into that ministry without a spiritual tool belt and without knowing our tools. But if you don't, if you don't know your tools, if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, then you're not going to know how to plug in and how God wants to use you. And so uh, we're going to close. We're going to pray. And uh, I want you to do this. On your way out, get a spiritual gifts test. Take that and bring it back with you next Sunday because we're going to connect some dots for you. We're going to talk about which ministries here at Grace probably exercise uh, certain spiritual gifts. And hopefully we can connect some dots with you and get you plugged in. So let's pray together and we'll be done. 